Tune in to Let Me Book the Territory. It's a new wrestling podcast where Smart Marks, A-Dub, E-Ray, and J-Mo review the week's top stories and storylines in wrestling and attempt to book out the championship feuds and storylines better than anyone else. New episodes are available every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it's called Let Me Book the Territory. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the WWE Podcast. It is the weekend review for Sunday, February 6th, 2022. Welcome everybody, and thank you for joining me. So a couple things up front, not only uh, do I also always thank you guys for coming to the show here because it's time out of your day, your morning, your evening to spend with us here, talk about wrestling in the world that doesn't really matter, but matters to us. So uh, we're going to get to all the things that happened this week in WWE, mainly focus on SmackDown, heavily focused on SmackDown uh, with uh, a co-host here, Sean Harford, who will be joining me. And if you're wondering about Sean, or maybe you haven't heard him before, he used to join us on the show uh, a number of months ago, hasn't been on in quite a while, but he's on Patreon and he's on the $10 tier. So if you get in the $10 tier or higher, which is actually the Monday Night Raw review or the (laughs) Monday Monday Night Raw level or higher, you get to go on the show as well. And once a month. So uh, Sean will be joining us in uh, short order here and uh, consider going ad free on Patreon and on Apple podcasts. But before we get into any of that, I want to make a quick announcement about our website. Yeah, we have a website. Not a lot of people uh, go to it because we're a podcast. So most of us go to Apple podcasts or Spreaker, Spotify, wherever to listen to the show and all the, all our other podcasts. But uh, I will be revamping. I'm actually currently in the process. I've hired uh, somebody to completely re jigger the website. So if you see that it's kind of a disaster or doesn't exist or doesn't load over the next few weeks. That's because we're under construction. So uh, what I'm envisioning is not only a completely new fresh layout and it's going to look much more updated and uh, really customized to a podcast, not necessarily like a news website because we're not a news website per se. Um, we're going to be also having on there kind of a VIP lounge area. Like, I mean, go VIP. I mean, I think you hear that with another podcast out there. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying not to use that, that, uh, that phrase because I don't want to feel like I'm knocking off anybody else. Um, you know, so that said, I, I, I'm going to probably call it either go VIP or VIP lounge. So what's in the VIP lounge? Basically, it's going to be exclusive content, meaning like quick videos, weekly videos, daily videos. I'm not sure yet. Um, and that's what's going to be in there. And uh, so we'll, we'll I'll give you more information as we get closer. But our website is actually going to be a place that you may actually you may want to stop by. And it's not just, oh, that's right. He has that website thing. I'm going to try to make it a, a, a place that is actually useful because I think the domain we have is um, nearly impossible to get. The WWEpodcast.com is, um, I, I really have no idea how WWE didn't take that before I did, but he, he, ha, ha, too bad. I'm not giving it up. Uh, so that said, all right, let's um, let's d- jump into one more thing, and it's not announcements. It's something I missed on the Mailbag Show last Wednesday, and on that Mailbag Show, I missed a couple of emails, and I promised that these two emails would be read because I totally missed them, and it's not fair to these two individuals. So uh, let's get through these emails quickly, and then we'll jump into my conversation with uh, Sean. So here we go. 
All right. Uh, the first one we got that I missed, my bad, Dennis wrote to us last week and said that uh, Bad Bunny, Shane, and Knoxville in the Rumble, but no Balor, Apollo, or any other person that the roster can actually be in, that are actually employed at the company. I know Shane's family owns the business, but he took wrestlers. He, they took a wrestler's place. A very poor event, in my opinion. Yeah, that that's sorry, Dennis. I mean, I mean, I will never be of the belief that a, an established up and coming star should be removed for the sake of a celebrity interjection. I mean, with with few exceptions. General rule is no, but WWE does it because they're 20 years too late to the Jackass party. For some reason, Jackass is still cool, and um, they wanted to do this. I mean, this is not the first time they've done this. They've done this many other times. As you said, Bad Bunny, all, all this stuff. All these essentially cameo appearances that WWE puts into their Royal Rumble, uh, which really doesn't even make sense when you think about it. But like, how are people that aren't in the event, aren't even actual wrestlers, getting an opportunity at the largest oppor- at the largest position in the entire company's yearly spot meaning you win this match you get into the random man event of wrestlemania how are they even putting anybody in there that's not an actual active wrestler i mean like when you think about the 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 logistics of it it doesn't make sense so i'm with you dennis you said that you enjoyed seth reigns and rollins i did too and you did you notice during the becky and Dewdrop? i'm assuming that's what you meant uh, match that the fans got distracted it's because the wrestlemania sign caught fire twice I thought the women's rumble match was decent. I actually picked Brock to win a few months ago, if you remember. Yeah, well, I don't remember Dennis, so I'm going to rely on your word of mouth uh, and, and your your um, honesty. So, I, yeah, I believe you. Brock winning is not something I think some people wanted. I think others are okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, but, yeah, the WrestleMania sign caught fire. That's the only reason. I mean, I, I know that now. Uh, so thank you, Dennis. So I apologize for missing your email, but I do see your new email for this week, which I'll wait until the mailbag this week. I won't read it now and spoil it. Okay, uh, let's see. I know I also missed, let's see here. Ah, Wes. Ah, Wesley, let's let's get to your email here. <clears throat> and this is the final one, guys, and we'll jump into the week in review. You mentioned um, that what a letdown of a premiere live event. That, so I, I think I've been saying it. Somebody corrected me because I, I I've been saying that it's a, um, a not a premier live event, but rather a premium live event. So I think it is premium live event. So I, I think I'm wrong. I think it's a premium live event, not premiere. So that's my bad. Okay. So you said that despite an opening, uh, despite an awesome opening, it was a letdown of a premium live event. Seth and Roman killed it from Seth's entrance to ring gear. The match itself would have been a preferred would have preferred a clean finish, but I'm not mad how it ended. Although my question is, where does Seth go from here? I'm writing this on Monday morning. So that question will may have been answered on raw. Um, Yeah. So I think a lot of people felt that way in the moment they were pissed off about the ending and then realized it's actually a book. It's actually a, a finish that makes sense. It's amazing that this finish of a, a, um, a, a non-clean finish makes sense when you use it in the right context and people aren't pissed about it after they think about it for a few minutes. But the problem is WWE overuses their non-finish ability. I mean, on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, I mean, Seth, Seth is clearly, I think on a path again with Roman Reigns, a war path. Now, does that mean it's going to be Brock versus Roman versus Seth at WrestleMania? It could be. And you know what? 
I think they could play on the WrestleMania 31 cash-in by Seth Rollins. Remember that? It was, a, it was technically a triple threat at the end. But this time, Seth doesn't get the cash-in. So that's where I think he's ultimately headed. I ultimately think he's there. Uh, the Royal Rumble match itself, lazy, predictable, disappointing. I think if I'd gone into the match with the lowest of expectations, I'd still have come away disappointed. The surprise entrants were disappointing, and only one of them was actually a surprise. We knew Drew would return. We knew Brock would enter at number 30, and in all likelihood, win after how his match with Bobby Lashley ended. And WWE posted it on Twitter and Instagram earlier in the day, showing that Bad Bunny was at the event, so that wasn't a surprise. The only surprise was Shane McMahon. Yawn. I never see him... I never want to see him wrestling again. No forbidden door entrant. No former uh, huge superstar like The Rock returning. Yeah, I mean, Wes, if you did your research and I didn't, then you were very disappointed at this, especially if you wanted big surprise returns. And that's one of the big drawbacks of social media in so many ways. Social media has ruined so many lives in so many ways. But in just the pro wrestling context, I think that it has taken away whatever kayfabe was left. And it's taken away a lot of surprises that could potentially happen uh, out of the equation. And you're seeing it here because people just can't help themselves and post crap and think that it's going to get a, you know, they, they care more about likes and hitting that like button than they do about uh, necessarily keeping completely secret what they want to keep secret. So a, a side note, and this is something that has been bothering me for years. It may or may not annoy others. Typically any, any interference leads to a DQ finish as long as the referee has not been laid out. Were we, why were we, are we expected to believe that? Once a new referee is needed, a new referee has not seen what's gone on while the original referee was incapacitated? Why can they run down, count to three, no questions asked? Anyway, enough of the negativity. Hope everyone has a great week. Wes, thank you, Wes, and sorry for missing your email. Um, and here's your, oh, to answer your second email, Wes, the, the new email, which by the way, you can still use this one, the one you emailed me, but... The new official one for the mailbag is mailbag at wwpodcast.com. So um, so here's the thing. You would imagine that if a referee needs knows they need to go out there, that they know they need to go out there and they already saw what happened. You know, it's, say a referee goes down and the heel hits the uh, baby face in the head with a chair and the referee is down. They didn't see it, but then all of a sudden another referee comes out. Why can't they enforce the the, the law of the land and disqualify that, that, that heel? Because if they were backstage knowing they had to come out, didn't they see that happen? But we're supposed to believe that, nope, everything's a clean slate. There's nothing actually happening until the ref gets in the ring. The ref is blind. Apparently, they are blindfolded and, and um, you know earmuffed backstage, and their only job is to, during matches, to sit there in, in, in chairs and, and have blindfolds and earmuffs on and only know they need to go out to the ring when they're tapped on the shoulder. That way they don't know what happened outside of, of their own world. I mean, it's, it is kind of preposterous, Wes. I know. You're going to get me out of rant. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> All right, Wes. Thank you so much. Okay. So that wraps up the things I missed on the mailbag show on Wednesday. So my bad. Uh, that said, everybody, I believe that is it for me. I want to thank you for listening. Again, this is our most downloaded show of the week is the Week in Review, and that's because of you guys. So please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Both do seriously help us out. And uh, keep an eye out for our new website, which, again, you can go ahead there and look now, but it probably looks like a piece of garbage. 
Um, we're going to be, again, giving you more details. And the final product won't be probably for two, three weeks, more likely. Um, sometime in late February, early March, we will be finalizing our new website and it'll be functional and uh, much more user friendly and much more organized. So um, anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening to us. Take care. And I'll talk to you next time, which will be the Monday Night Raw Review. All right, everybody, welcome to Eureka Review, and we've got a co-host tonight. We've got Sean Hartford. You guys may remember him. It's been a, it's been a few minutes, or as the kids say, it's been a hot minute since Sean has been back on the show. And as a as a uh, a patron of the show, he's able to come on once a month. And uh, starting in the the ten dollar tier and higher, that's what you get to do, guys. You're and that's what Sean's here for. And we're here to talk wrestling. We're here to talk. Uh, uh, the uh, weeks leading up to the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. We're officially on the road to WrestleMania, all that good stuff. So we'll hit on as much as we can in our uh, our, our bit of a brief a brief chat here. But, uh, Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's great to be back, and it's great to return to the show, even though it's been quite a while. I'm always happy to be back. Definitely. Yeah. It, I, I mean, it probably has been, I don't, I don't you know, many, many months. So um, this is uh, this is great to hear you again. And I'm interested to hear what you think about what's been going on. And, um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about SmackDown right now, because as we came out of SmackDown, there's so many things that we could talk about. Goldberg coming back to challenge Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, there's there's really a lot. So take your pick, Sean. Where do you want to start with SmackDown? Uh, we could start from the we could start from the beginning and go down to the end to see like see how it goes. Sure, sure, okay. So in uh, in that case, then we had let's see what had um, the bloodline. Well, the bloodline opened the show. That's what we're talking about here with Goldberg and Paul Heyman came out and he basically gave the explanation that there was not a plot or a scheme and that he was just realizing he'd made a mistake with Reigns being upset with him and. Uh, you know, he had been fired, and he said that he deserved to get Superman punched. So did, what did you think about Paul Heyman explaining what happened and why he did what he did? Well, particularly, it's like sometimes it's like to the world of entertainment, it's like sometimes forgiving can be something. And it also depends, like, if you're like, at someone's side, you've been with, like, say he's been with Lesnar for, like, many, many years, ever since he's been into the uh, early times of his prime. And now that he's with Roman Reigns, it's like he's seen a new light. He's, like, seen a new, different kind of Brock Lesnar in Roman Reigns, maybe. Like, a different, like, outlook and, a, uh, a more, like, a next big thing in Roman Reigns that he saw in Brock Lesnar in his early time. Yeah, it did. It seemed like he he had he genuinely regretted his decision and that he felt that his chemistry was better with Roman Reigns and that the the true future of the company was with Roman Reigns, which is actually true. I mean, Brock Lesnar is not going to be here for too much longer, I don't believe. Roman Reigns obviously has many more years in front of him than Brock, but uh that said, you know, we had we did have uh Roman Reigns kind of he he was accepting of Paul Heyman's apology and Paul Heyman basically was groveling to the tribal chief and said that he realized that Reigns didn't need to be protected from Lesnar, but rather it was the other way around. And so that at that point, we had essentially Goldberg come out and he said 
that uh, he acknowledged Reigns, but only as his next victim, and then made an official challenge to Roman Reigns for a match at Elimination Chamber. So what do you think about Goldberg coming back to have the match that they should have had two years ago when the pandemic started? Oh, to be honest, I wasn't. I thought it would. I didn't expect Goldberg to be appearing at SmackDown, which was like a little bit interesting, seeing that he ha- he hasn't lost a step, and like it's been a, while, a couple months since he had his last match. I think it was with the. I think it was probably with the Fiend, and after that Fiend left, so it's pretty much going to be an interesting way to see it, but. I'm not sure if he's going to probably win the championship. It's probably going to stick with Roman, like heading into like WrestleMania, maybe. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I really don't see any scenario in which Goldberg wins the championship here. The fans, I think, would completely explode if Goldberg's the one to take it off of Roman Reigns after 500 and some days. That it's Goldberg who's here, you know, once every six months, and every time he comes in, he just is automatically awarded a championship opportunity. I don't know how people haven't started to boo Goldberg, honestly. Maybe it's the nostalgic entrance. I think the entrance may be the only thing people care about with Goldberg, because outside of that, he's not a WWE guy, never was a WWE guy, and he comes in and is just essentially a a it's like a birthright that he comes in and is just awarded an opportunity for the belts and i i really am not a fan of that but they're giving us the match that they were going to give us two years ago it's going to be a lot there's not this is not exactly going to be a a very technical match it's not going to be rick flair Shawn michaels all right i mean you know that Mm. this is going to be very probably five minutes or less and uh probably going to be lots of hard hard hitting Kickouts of spears, probably a kick out of a jackhammer, maybe the, probably the Usos interfering in some way to allow Goldberg to uh, or allow Roman Reigns to to uh, come away with the belt. Do you see any scenario in which Goldberg wins the championship at Elimination Chamber? The only way this is going to be a tricky way to point it out. So this is like a scenario. So like if it does actually happen, so say like the Usos actually did come out into the ring to try and distract the ref or like Goldberg itself and it didn't work out. And then the referee saw them, it would have to like try to like toss them out of the ring and they would be, have to be banned, like barred from the, um, the ringside. And then they have to go to the back and then with Roman probably maybe distracted and he, Goldberg could have a chance if he could hit the jack, the spear, and hit the jackhammer, try to get for the one, two, three. And that could be a definite chance. Yeah, there's. I, I would agree. I think there's. While it, I don't think it's likely at all, I think that it is. There's a small possibility, and over the next two weeks, WWE will try to do their best to to convince us that Goldberg is a true threat. I, I mean, you know, he he was the one to beat. Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. He beat The Fiend for the Universal Championship. He has ended some streaks that have, you know, Goldberg had no business ending, but this is a different level. This is a different stratosphere of a, a run that Roman Reigns is on, and I don't I don't believe, and I don't think you do either, that Goldberg's going to, but your scenario is plausible. I just don't think it's likely, and, uh, you know, th- this match is just to... Give us what the fan give us the match that we thought we were going to get two years ago, and we get to see Spear versus Spear. They've built up the uh, the the possibility of title versus title too much over the last couple mm-hmm. of months to believe that it's not going to be Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship versus the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 
Do you think ultimately that's probably what they'll go with is one-on-one belt versus belt and the winner walks away as a double champion? That That's pretty much a good possibility. It all depends on how Lesnar does via the Elimination Chamber with, against Lashley, Riddle, Rollins, and uh, I forgot the rest of the names, but it, it keep, I don't keep track, but it could be a possibility as long as he stays in a good amount of time and depends as well, like how the, um, what number he's going to come in for Elimination Chamber, if he's going to go and go on first, is he going to go on second, third, last? Mm-hmm. It all depends on the um, how how long he can survive. It does, and and I, I, again, early prediction on my part. I think Brock will probably take it back because Bro- or Vince wants the biggest main event possible, and that's going to be Brock versus Roman. They're both top champions. Who's the ultimate champion? I mean, I really believe that's what Vince looks at this as. I wouldn't do that. I would keep the belt off Brock. I don't care if Brock's going to face Roman. I just don't want the WWE Championship being tied up in that in that role. But um, you know, we will see. Like you said, Elimination Chamber is a quick turnaround now. Two weeks. And we're already uh, mm-hmm. through the Elimination Chamber. And then there's no pay-per-view between Chamber and Mania, which I really like. It's just a straight six weeks of building to WrestleMania. I think that's way better than having yet another pay-per-view of, like, Roadblock or, I don't know, whatever else uh, odd pay-per-view is in between there. So, um, all right, well, let's move on. Uh, talk about the next segment here that happened on SmackDown, if I'm not mistaken. I do believe it was Ricochet versus Ridge Holland. And then that yeah. turned into a tag team match. So Ricochet gets the victory over uh, Ridge Holland, who's still wearing that face mask from a broken nose, an inadvertent broken nose by Ricochet. So before we get to the tag match, um, did you enjoy the match between Ricochet and Ridge Holland? I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, there were some like parts that were good, some parts that were not that great. It, it It's like, like sometimes it's like one side, sometimes it's like back and forth, back and forth. It like it's just like half the time the matches can be the same over and over just to improve the ratings. And sometimes it's not the it can't be about the ratings. It's just about the showing of the moves for the superstars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this this program feels like it's gone on a little bit, maybe too long. I don't know. It's. It just, much like Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre and Corbin, which we'll get to down the line, it kind of feels like, all right, well, can, can we move on from this? And, you know, I think past Elimination Chamber, everything's going to get reset. So if we can all hang on two more weeks, then we'll get into full WrestleMania mode, and these kind of stale programs should go by the wayside. But, yeah, I mean, look, Ricochet is always going to give you a show. He's like fireworks. He's going to give you great maneuvers, but not a lot of emotion with like with what he does. In other words, I don't feel any like emotional ties to his character. I don't I don't have any emotional investment in him. The only thing then and right now, sadly, I think most people look at Ricochet and say, Man, he's the guy with the cool moves. Instead of looking at him and saying, Hey, that's a guy I can relate to. That's a guy I can get behind and live through. Unfortunately for Ricochet, his entire character is one dimensional of just being the guy that can do inhuman moves. And he can. Um, but with Rich Holland here, you know, I, I was surprised he got the victory only because Rich Holland seems to be the protege protege to Sheamus, and you would imagine that a protege to Sheamus should start getting some victories and piling them up, but he didn't. However, this then evolved into a tag team match that saw Holland and Sheamus then get the win back by defeating Ricochet and Cesaro. So, I mean, you talk about 50-50 booking here, but uh, what did you think about the tag match that resulted from this? 
uh, it was pretty much like they finally got their um, their deserved win. They got their like payback for that. Rattan finally got the win, like with his partner Seamus. And both and both of them like what's really interesting is it has a little bit of a um, nostalgic feel for like Ireland's finest. Like for example, Finley, Hornswoggle, and such such Ireland Ireland superstars. It's actually interesting to see because. Like he had the the way with his attire, his entrance attire. He had the hat, the had the jacket, the show. The, both of them had the shillelagh, which is kind of like in this little bit of a remembrance for Finley. But the match itself was pretty, was kind of okay in in my books. But it's kind of a shame to see that Ricochet and his, Ricochet's team didn't get the win. Yeah, I agree. I, I I agree. Yeah, I mean it was um he is kind of a callback to uh, Finley, man. I haven't heard about, I haven't talked about maybe Finley ever on this show, but uh, a, a guy that you could you could study, Fit Finley, um, one of the toughest guys in the business, a legitimate Irishman. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> certainly yeah. I mean, but you're right. And uh, Seamus is Seamus is kind of the old guard teaching a new guard. Uh, you know, teaching him the ropes. And I think Ridge Holland's in a good place right now. They seem to gel nicely. It's, I think for Sheamus, it's one of the better things that's happened. It refreshes the Sheamus character that has been essentially kind of a little stale for, for quite some time. And I think that this is helping Sheamus as it is much helping Ridge, even if this program is not in, really that exciting with Ricochet. Um, you know, it's Ricochet and Cesaro is not exactly exciting, but it's it's a fine you know you're gonna get good wrestling you know like that's that's what you know you're gonna get here so all right yeah. uh yeah uh let's see oh Eric versus Jimmy Uso now this match was um this match didn't last long this match was over fairly quickly I don't think that they wanted to give Eric too much TV time for people to tune in and go who's this guy I don't know who he is I'm changing the channel you know it's it's really unfortunate because as much as they talk about building new stars. They didn't give Eric a whole lot of uh, of offense, nor did they give him a whole lot of airtime here. But um, this this was not great. I I don't think this was great. Not only because the the match was super short, but it, you know we we had Jimmy Uso defeat Eric, and yet we're supposed to believe that the the uh, Viking Raiders are a threat to the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. So I don't know. This was not a, a highlight of SmackDown for me. Maybe you feel differently. No, no, I, I kind of agree with you. Like for a couple reasons. One of the things is like they he didn't give him much even time because they wanted to like go on with the show and such. Because I mean, yes, I know there's not like they have a certain amount of time for certain matches. That's understandable. But half the time, you like you want to have like a good lengthy match. There's been good lengthy matches that happen and. I wasn't really wanting to see the Usos win, which I kind of like. Not a big fan of them. I am a big fan of the Viking Raiders, and hopefully, they could probably get the tag titles. Maybe it depends if like there's no interference. But unfortunately, I think it's going to be the Usos that's probably going to still hold on to the tag titles come past the Elimination Chamber. Maybe. Yeah, I, I would just. I'm with you. I think that I'd. I wish they had presented to us. A little bit more of a threat, or, or maybe like a, a story that we could dive into and go, yeah, maybe I think it might be the Viking Raiders' time. There's nothing that would tell you that this is the time for the Viking Raiders to dethrone the Usos, who are uh, a part of the bloodline, the most important group in WWE. There, there is really nothing, unfortunately, if you're a Viking Raiders fan or you just want to see Jimmy and Jay lose the belts, that would tell you that the Viking Raiders are going to become champions at Elimination Chamber. I, it, I, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, so do you, do you see any possibility of that? Are you kind of like, you know, 
I might, um, yeah. it, it, it's kind of like 50-50 around my book. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, you're, so you're significantly, you're, you're giving them a much bigger chance than I am, and that's cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I think that that, uh, I hope, I hope that there's more of a threat. You know, I, I hope that there, I wish there was, because then I don't like to look at this match and go, uh, yeah, no chance, but uh, let's enjoy the match. You know, so all yeah, right. they did. They did. They did have a bit of a threat when they had the um, Bivis storyline with the uh, Street Profits in the yes. years ago. Yes, they did. And you know, right now, the, the the one thing too that's hurting the Viking Raiders is that they not only now they're losing singles matches, but they also don't get any mic time. Like the Viking Raiders, they, they don't really. You don't hear from them, and if you do, it's from those really really bad scripted uh, pre-match taped they play it while they're walking to the ring promos and those are never good almost ever are those those uh, match or those uh, promos good i've never i don't think i've ever heard a promo that's pre-taped that's really well done that grabbed me that was played while somebody was walking to the ring it, it's it to me it's just them checking a box saying see we're giving a mic time no, no, that's not real mic time, right? Like that, you you have a teleprompter essentially in front of that person, which it what it feels like. And I don't want to be listening to his promo or her promo also while trying to watch that person walk to the ring. It's it's very um, it's it's to me it it, it kind of splits your divides your attention in a way that sh- it shouldn't. Um, but I I don't know. So uh, any any final thoughts on this before we move on to the uh, a women's segment here? Uh, no. Okay, Aaliyah versus Natalia. So. This has been a program that has been going on much longer than I thought, and I'm okay with it. I, I think it gives Natalia something to do other than wear cat ears and talk about Instagram or whatever she does. Um, and, and Aaliyah, who has broken the world record for the fastest time ever, she wore an Aaliyah, uh, what was it, a, a 317 shirt it was or something? Aaliyah, yeah, Aaliyah 317, yeah. Yeah, so obviously a play on Stone Cold. Um, which it's fine. I mean, like you know, good for her. She's she's trying to make a name for herself, and she's putting on okay matches. You know, she she's not not embarrassing herself. She's getting victory after victory, even if it's in different ways. And this week it was via a countout from uh, uh, versus uh, versus Natalia. I can say the word here. So she got a countout victory, and now next week they have another match. I believe. I think that that was uh, put into place by Sonya Deville. So, um, yeah, I mean, what do you make? Are they just trying to give Aaliyah a bit of a winning streak to get her into the minds of fans as a, a legitimate star? Or what? what is the point of this? Is, is it just an introduction to Aaliyah? What, what do you see the? What do you see this as? And are you liking it? Yeah, uh, so let me get, I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm thinking, like, maybe they're doing, they want to, like, give it, give her, like, a bit of a push, and that's a good thing, because, like, she's still, like, relatively new to the SmackDown brand, and not to mention she had a decent showing in the Royal Rumble. Um, seeing that the world record happen was pretty amazing, and I know every week it's going to be happening, Aaliyah versus Natalia, Aaliyah versus Natalia, Aaliyah versus Natalia. It's going to be, like, like, how many times are we going to keep on seeing this match? I mean, I know it's going to get, get like, kind of boring, like, time and time and again, but sometimes, like, it will be good, sometimes it will be bad, all in all. 
You know, no, no, that's the way it goes. And, and you know, this, this, they vote, but they face each other, what, like three, four times now. So it's not super old. I, I think that while fans like new all the time, new all the time isn't feasible. So this is, this is fine to me. It, it gives Aaliyah to somebody to work with. And Natalia is the gatekeeper of the women's division. I, I look at Natalia as kind of like the Dolph Ziggler of the men's division, where they're both really good workers. They're veterans, but they, they're never going to be centerpieces of their division anymore. They're gatekeepers of their respective division where they know they can work with anybody. They know they're going to put a good match on with anybody. And anybody that they're in the ring with, they're going to automatically give credibility to, especially for new people coming up. So to me, Natalia and, and Aaliyah is fine. I think Natalia next week, I think it's next week, they're going to have a dungeon match, meaning it can be only uh, by pinfall or submission that the match ends. So some way, somehow, I think Aaliyah is going to continue this streak. And maybe it'll get a little fun where you know, just she gets victories that are just completely by luck. Some of them, I think, will be uh, of her own accord, but I don't I, I don't know. I don't know where this ends. I would imagine Elimination Chamber between these two, but uh, do you think, and, as well as I do, that Aaliyah is probably going to continue this winning streak? Uh, definitely. I think so. It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out, like how long they're going to keep the storyline going. Sometimes it could be weeks, months, or a whole year. I don't think it's been, I think it's been more than years, maybe. So it could be like, like one-sided being in her favor. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say too is, um, you know, I would like, if you're going to continue this with Aaliyah and get her, give her wins, how about we kind of cut off the fluky wins? You know, like eventually she's going to have to get credible victories that aren't just lady luck on her side with count outs or, or maybe Natalia gets herself disqualified or, you know, somebody interferes on Aaliyah's behalf. Eventually, you know, it, it you can't make Aaliyah just this kind of lovable character that isn't credible and feels like a threat to anybody because she wins in fluky ways. Eventually they're going to have to make her, win of her own accord not just these just she's completely uh just be locking out on her victories so i will say that too but um all right let's get a little more serious topic here drew mcintyre's warpath is how this segment was labeled and uh i was hoping you know i i will say i was really hoping when they said that this is drew mcintyre's warpath we're going to hear from him on what's next i'm like okay Cool. They're they're going to pivot away from Corbin and Madcap Moss. They're, this is finally done. We're going to have Drew McIntyre into an actual program. Maybe call Roman out by name. I know he's in a program with Brock, and and you know Roman's a bit of a mess too. But at least set his sights on something else. And it, he still said <laughs> that he's going to make Corbin's life a living hell for like basically forever. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, no, no, like fans are done with this. You have beaten them cleanly. You eliminated them both from the rumble. There's nothing left to prove. And Drew seems to be the one continuing this. And I don't think fans have any interest in Corbin versus McIntyre or Mad Cat Moss versus McIntyre. That's me. Um, it's good to see McIntyre getting full support from the crowd again, and that he, you know, he's in he's on TV in a prominent position. What do you make of Drew McIntyre? Uh, continuing this program with Madcap Moss and Baron Corbin. Uh, particularly, well, I'll tell you that it was definitely good to see him return. And particularly, I think, like, too much, like, TV time for Corbin. So his promos are, like, his, like the jokes, they're, like, so, like, so bad. And I'm thinking, like, why does he do the jokes? Where did he come up with them? 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he comes up with them either. I think, I mean, they're, they're purposefully bad. They're supposed to be bad. They're supposed to be heat, heat grabbingly bad. Like we're supposed to be annoyed by them, but they're at the, I, I don't know. Like I, 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 I think Mad Cat Moss, I mean, remember when he was Riddick Moss, when he was actually a character that you, you know, you, you had some, you know, had some uh, depth to it other than this, this character. But hey, I, I think that right now, the, beyond the jokes that we have, this should end. We have a program now that has an ending, and that is Drew versus Corbin at Elimination Chamber, assumingly. So, do you do you see after Elimination Chamber Drew still messing with Corbin and um, uh, Mad Moss, or do you see Drew finally after Elimination Chamber turning away and ch- and, and setting his sights on someone else? Well, I could definitely put it in two different perspectives. So, like perspective number one. He would definitely want revenge on them both for like trying to take almost trying to take him out out of action from day one, and he and I know for sure he still hasn't forgotten about that. And perspective number two, um, maybe you could keep it going, or maybe they'll end it there. It all depends on who wins. Yeah, I, I don't see a scenario though in which Drew loses this at Elimination Chamber. And again, I don't know what the match is yet. We'll find out. It'll be something. Uh, along the lines of Drew versus Corbin and Mad Cat Moss, and I don't know, uh, but there's just to me on the road to WrestleMania with one of your biggest stars. He was the final two facing Brock Lesnar in the Rumble. He came back early from an injury. He talked about how his doctors told him not to come back. He doubted his ability to compete, uh, and uh, basically Drew told him, you know, to to just to, to f off and I'm I'm going to do this, and he did. And so I, I think that I don't hate these this program with Drew and and uh, Corbin. Or rather, um, uh, Mad Cat Moss and Corbin. I think the only the, the problem I have with it is it's it's February it's February now. Like Drew, I feel like should be in a, a a solidified main event program of some sort. Even if it's not for a championship, at least with a, a um, equal main event caliber talent. I mean, I, I just I don't know. I I, I just it's, it's so deep now into uh, the season with only less than two months till WrestleMania. I don't know. I guess I I expected. McIntyre to be in a bigger position than he is now, but may, maybe the the tune will change after uh, Elimination Chamber in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. It will probably like depend on who who gets the upper hand and like like who has the like better chance when past Elimination Chamber maybe leaning up to WrestleMania. Yeah, that, that's very possible. It is. Um, all right, Shinsuke. Versus Jinder Mahal was up next. So uh, I, I guess I won't have any analysis on this. I, I'll turn it to you first. What would you think about this? Um, I thought, like, seeing Shinsuke is, like, he's, like, really a fan favorite. Same for Rick Booth. And obviously Pat, like, McAfee going on the on top of the announce table, just doing air guitar. It's just so funny. And, like, I thought it was pretty seeing him win was seeing him compete is pretty good. I like both of them. Like they have a good definitely tag team future. Yeah, they they do seem to be like a legitimate tag team um and and I'm fine with it, you know. Uh, we, we don't know where Veer Mahan is. Uh, he's going to Raw. Um, you know, I don't think he debuted yet. I mean, that's like a running joke. I don't believe Veer Mahan debuted yet, but now it looks like Shanky is the uh, is the seven foot bodyguard for Jinder Mahal, uh, for lack of a better term. And you know, the, Nakamura did beat Mahal here, so the, I mean that that kind of tells you where they view uh, Jinder Mahal. But at the same time. 
they're trying to elevate the Intercontinental Championship, which has been forgotten for like eight months. It feels. I mean, it's 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 really. I'm sorry. It's sad that they have completely neglected the Intercontinental Championship. There's no excuse for it. They can't, they can't tell you, oh, we didn't have anything for storyline. It's really a shame what they've done with the IC title, especially given it's around a talent, a top talent like Nakamura. Um, so Sami Zayn is going to be getting that Intercontinental Championship match, though. It's going to happen in two weeks, which is the night before the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. So that Intercontinental Championship match is happening do you think Sammy in two weeks is going to take the IC belt, or do you think it's going to spill into Elimination Chamber? And what, what are your thoughts? Hmm. So this is a good way I could see it in a different. So like, in, like, like side number one. I mean, he's been saying that like I'm the right brand Continental champion. I'm the one that deserves to be champion. I'm the right brand Continental champion. Nonstop, over and over and over. I mean, how many times are we going to hear you say that? Like. Hello, we get that. It's like nonstop. Like he wants his title. He, he thinks it's like it's it's life. He thinks it's like his like his wants more than a need. And we kind of seen that. Not like every time he comes out, it's like every time he even had the merchandise thing. I'm the rightful Intercontinental Champion. Like really? I mean, seriously. He we know you want the title, but you got to earn your way up. It's simple as that. And Richinsky is the, the champion. I kind of like his reign as champion. I think it's still going to... I mean, there's going to be a time where he does... His reign will end and that's understandable but maybe it'll pick up, up again like later on in the future. I really hope that Sammy does capture the belt. And not because I don't like Nakamura. I just don't like what WWE has done with nakamura as champion i it's uh i think they could do more with sammy or at least i believe they would because they they do like sammy Zayn. they put him in uh, you know several segments on the show sammy's a good talker um you know he can wrestle for sure and nakamura versus shinsuke or rather um nakamura versus sammy Zayn is going to be a great match i mean th- these two go back all the way to nxt putting on some amazing matches in nxt so I have no doubt that this, the quality of this match is going to be uh, A+, plus. so that, that's never uh, a, a concern. Uh, maybe the only concern is Rick Boogs fixing his electric guitar. That was uh, obviously a <laughs> complete – I mean, it was a mistake. I mean, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't planned. He was trying to uh, – you know, he was trying, and it clearly wasn't hooked up to the mic right or something. And he immediately went to just, you know, his his uh, voice part of it. And so he improvised. And Pat McAfee, as you said, was on the desk dancing. Um, you know, uh, Pat McAfee does some weird stuff. I got to say, I have no I don't I don't dislike Pat McAfee, but I got to say the guy is uh, he's he, he may for me, he might be too high energy. He flips his pencil eight times a show. I think he spends more time flipping his pencil, making sure he can do it correctly than he does at times, you know. Uh, doing things he should be doing, but I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Just generally, a little bit off topic. What do you think about Pat McAfee and his his uh, skills on the mic? Um, it's pretty good. I know his like I've seen a little bit of his time in the ring he had with um, I think I've gotten I think it was Pete Dune. As if I said it correctly, uh, Dune or Dunn. I, I don't know if I said it right, but he has. I never seen him much in the ring, but on the mic he's pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, and I think he's he's breathed life into not just the commentary team, but also the, the SmackDown broadcast. I mean, he is so high energy that 
the broadcast never feels boring. Even if you're watching a segment that you're not too in into, he sometimes makes you feel like you should be watching. So I'll give him that. Even even at times if he just goes off the rails and, and says silly things <laughs> or like or, or flips his pencil at forty times, like whatever. You know, he has his quirks that are annoying, but at the same time he brings an intangible quality to the table. And Michael Cole even said that you know his himself that that Pat McAfee has rejuvenated his career. And he's given new life to his career, so that's a hell of a compliment. Um, all right, well, the next match, which is the match before the uh, main segment here, New Day versus Los Lotharios. So uh, this this match, I, I, have a, I have a maybe I missed something here. Now the match itself, I thought was fine. I mean, really good. I had no problem. Los Lotharios is are, they're, they're really starting to gel as a tag team. They feel like a legit tag team, uh, and New Day did beat them. But my question is. Why is Big E on SmackDown right now? Like we were told that he's only on SmackDown last uh, the last several weeks because it's Royal Rumble season, and to me that's a weak mm-hmm. excuse. I mean, it's a draft. Just because it's Rumble season, there's nothing we were told that says oh, if it's Rumble season anybody can go anywhere. And now all of a sudden, well, what is it? What's the excuse now? Is it is it Elimination Chamber season? And so, I know most people don't care about this stuff, but there's really just. Um, to me, I'm a big stickler on rules when it comes to the draft, and uh, Big E's here. I know Kofi needs a tag partner, but this is not only, to me, a uh, complete violation of the draft, and it's frustrating for the fans and insulting to fans, but more importantly, not just my own personal feelings being hurt, which they're really not, but Big E, for his singles career, this is setting his singles career back by months and months and months. We were told that Big E was on his singles run. And every chance we get, we hear about Big E, you know, do, you know, any chance they get, they reunite Big E with uh, Xavier Woods and Kofi. Every chance they get, they team them up together. Now he's inexplicably on SmackDown teaming with Kofi again, as if he never left the New Day. So what do you think about, I know there's a multi-layer question here. I'll start with, do you care even that Big E's on SmackDown, or does that not bother you? Um, it's, I mean, it's no surprise that he's on SmackDown. I mean, yes, Kobe needed a tag team because apparently Xavier Woods is currently injured and out on the sidelines. So it, it's I'm totally fine that he's on SmackDown, like trying to like fill in the role for Xavier Woods until he's like fully back healthy and back on the show, maybe. Okay, so <clears throat> now that's fine. I, I, you know, I, sometimes I wish I didn't care either. Sometimes I wish I just enjoyed the product and I moved on. Maybe because I podcast, do this podcast that I have to look at it with a more critical eye. But yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. It's my own detriment. But at the same time, I I, I feel insulted that they're not even just telling us an expl. Give us something. They're not doing anything. Oh, the trade made. Okay, fine. Trades are done all the time in all the professional sports. But the other thing is, what about Biggie's career? I mean. We were told that you know Big E. Everybody was looking forward to Big E as a single star on a singles run, and he became WWE champion. And now he's back to as if he never left the New Day at all, doing the clapping and the chanting and the hip swiveling. Like I, I don't know. Do, do you feel like Big E is regressing by going back into the New Day uh, team on a regular basis now, or do you do you do you think he'll be just fine? Um. Maybe he could go back with the team, it, 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 like, or maybe like part of uh, Xavier Woods' like hand to the king kind of thing. It, it like the opportunity's knocking for him. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, uh, Naomi and Sonya Deville. So you wanted to talk about that quickly. So go ahead. Yeah. All right. So 
Naomi came into the office for Sony Deville, and I understand the rivalry is just driving me nuts. I mean, like when I have the jacket, when it means I'm authority, you can't even touch me. I mean, please, can you stop with that nonsense for once? Please, just for once. That's all I wanted to happen there. And Pierce is like, let's come up with the idea and give her a title shot with Charlotte Flair next week on SmackDown. And Naomi says, like to Sonya Deville, I still ain't done with you yet. Which is kind of interesting. I understand that she, she ain't done with her yet. And, like, finally Naomi gets, gets like, one week when she is going to be at Sonya Deville's throat. And then she can focus on the women's champion, Charlotte Flair. I hope they go back to Naomi and, and Sonya Deville. Um <clears throat> The thing is, though, I think they took way too long to get to the match. Like, they took five months, I mean, maybe longer, to actually get to that match. And like you said, the whole jacket thing is just ridiculous. I mean, there's nothing... Like, where where in the contract does it say that if I'm wearing a specific item of clothing, that it changes the position that I'm in? Like, if I go to work and I, I wear a tie... And then I take off my mm-hmm. tie, and I'm like, "Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not working here right now. I'm actually. Uh, I'm actually a customer. I'm not a. And I'm not an employee because I'm wearing a different piece of clothing. There's no. There's no practical logic to that. There's nothing. It's just. It is the most ridiculous thing ever. And then the one time Naomi was smart enough to get it off her by turning up the thermostat a few weeks ago, she doesn't take advantage and just gets back in her face. I'm like, you should clock her. Like, what are you doing? You just get back in her face. You don't need to have her take her jacket off to do that. So there's been some really frustrating moments for me during this, and apparently she believes Naomi believes that uh, having just getting rear view and then um, eliminating her from the rumble is enough to equate to all the torture she's put her through for five months. But I think, like you said, this match is this matchup is not over. It will probably culminate at Elimination Chamber in some way, and I do oh, I do want to see uh, I do want to see Naomi just just beat the holy hell out of her. I mean, there's just no other way about it. So they've done a good job in that respect, where Sonya has positioned herself as a heel they've done a nice job of positioning her as a heel i just don't know how upper management hasn't gotten involved i mean this is many months of abuse of power how has vince not getting gotten involved is he too busy concealing his hundred million dollar golden egg from austin theory is he too busy busy mumbling in his office to himself is he too busy i mean look what's happening there where's the board of directors why hasn't naomi gone above her head they're middle management so i don't know I mean, for, for, I mean, Vince Man is too busy like saying like Austin Theory is his favorite or some or something like that. I think he, some, I think Vince is just like too like with a pain in the neck. I mean, it's just like not a help to to the brand itself, and it's like hurting its reputation in it as well. Yeah, it is. It is no doubt, and uh, so um, so I, I did notice that uh, my recorder, as as the line went out, um, actually cut off two segments that we talked about. So rather than have me rehash everything, people want to hear from you rather than me. So just recap two things: the, the topic about Biggie uh, and his participation on on uh, SmackDown and why uh, that he's on SmackDown and if that bothers you, and then the Ronda Rousey segment. So it's just the last two segments of the show. If you want to kind of summarize your thoughts on that, just because I want to make sure you get a fair shake here. My recorder went haywire as <laughs> everything just went out. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah it happened. So, but, well, first, no big deal about that recording. So basically, 
for Ron Rousey, I think it's like a good step in like ret- in her return. Uh, she has definitely had big push leading up to WrestleMania. And as for like Big E, like him on SmackDown, it's like I think it's I find it as like okay, like for now. Like it all depending on how they see him, like where they see him in storylines, like how they want to push him, where they want to put him next, and and hopefully soon that Xavier Woods will be returning back to the brand SmackDown. Cool. All right. And uh, what about your thoughts on Ronda Rousey coming out? She challenged Charlotte Flair rather than uh, choosing Becky Lynch, saying she didn't come through an ice storm to to uh, talk. And then she said that she'll see her at WrestleMania. Sonya Deville gets involved. She ends up in an arm bar. Are you excited about the potential of just one-on-one here, or would you have rather had Ronda choose Becky? Uh, either either way, um, I think it's going to be a, a hell of a match to see seeing Ronda Rousey back as champion. And then seeing Sonya Deville in the arm bar makes me think of how she did it to Stephanie McMahon in New Orleans at WrestleMania when she was team with Kurt Angle. And she even did it when during the Levi's Stadium. And she, she definitely, Sonya definitely got her comeuppance for that. Yeah, Sonya, like I said, Sonya Deville is just such a – she's done a really good job. I, I really do wonder when they're going to put her back in a full-time position. I mean, the women's division always needs help. They're, they're thin as always. I mean, you, I was surprised they didn't, you know, uh, do something more with her uh, several months ago. I mean, when she was getting involved with Naomi, I said, oh, this is her transition back to a um, ba- back to a full-time performer, and they still haven't done that. So I, I don't know why. And maybe she's not pushing for it. I don't know. But why Sonya Deville is just in this role and how she got it in the first place. I mean, no one ever explained that either, um, why she's a, a WWE official. She went from performer to official with no explanation. She just is. And, you know, I, I think she's doing a good job of it, of being a heel. But um, I, I would like to see Sonya eventually transition back to an actual performer because she can cut some really good promos. I mean, we saw it with the mm-hmm. Mandy Rose Otis storyline a couple of years ago before WrestleMania. That was the best work Sonya Deville ever did. And since that time, it's been kind of like just off a cliff. So it has definitely. All right, cool. Well, uh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, Well, first, is there anything else that I missed on SmackDown or that you wanted to to touch on? Oh, and the one segment that got cut out was (laughs) wrap up your Lita and uh, your Lita challenging Becky Lynch thoughts, and if you believe there's there's an opportunity for Lita to actually capture the belt going into WrestleMania. Um, so basically, uh, I'll just try to do it one more time if I remember what I said. So it's kind of interesting how Lita is going to try to challenge the champion. But one thing I understand is, like, maybe it's not the right time for you to, like, challenge for a championship. Maybe try to get a tune-up match. It depends because she hasn't had a match in, like, years. And last time was the Royal Rumble in, like, recently Royal Rumble and then... 2018 Royal Rumble, so it's going to be hard to tell if she still has what it takes to um, actually dominate a match in perspective. Yeah, I'm very interested on the quality of the match of that. I mean, Lita, Lita can still go, but she can't go at the you know the the uh, pace that she was 15 years ago. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it, she's aged. She's in her 40s now, but she's still decent on the mic. She's got some good star power. The crowd is really behind her. And I think her and Becky are. I think they'll have a good match. I don't think it'll be five star. It's just we're looking. At, we're going to look at this and go. That was a good match. Given how long Lee has been out of the ring, I think that was fine. And then we'll move on to Becky Lynch's true opponent, which I think will be Bianca Belair 
at least Bianca Belair uh, at WrestleMania. Um, and then probably Becky will lose it there, but we're getting a few steps ahead. So um, cool. Well, uh, Sean, thank you for joining us tonight. Is there any, any social media you'd like to, uh, to, to put out there for people to follow you if they're interested? Uh, definitely check out my Twitter. Um, I'm there pretty much most of it is at Harper Sean. Like, be sure to check me out my Twitter. Give me a follow. Give your opinions. I'm more than welcome to answer any questions that you have pertaining to any, like, as a podcast that you want to know about wrestling. Very good. Well, uh, so guys, hit him up for wrestling podcast because there's only one out there, right? I mean, there's no other. There's no other wrestling podcast. I'm it. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no other wrestling podcast that exists. That that that's right. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, thank you for coming on tonight. It's been a, a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to reconnect, and uh, we'll be doing this again very soon. Definitely hope to hopefully do it again. Maybe next month. Hopefully, as long as my schedule and, isn't crazy. No, I hear you. Mine too. Mine too. And uh, we'll be right in the thick of WrestleMania. We'll be a mere month away until WrestleMania by that time. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, we definitely gotta do a WrestleMania review. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be almost every day. I mean, so I'll I'll be doing re- multiple reviews. So we'll stick you in one. So, uh, Sean, thanks so much, man, and you, you have a good night. You too. God bless. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WWE podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.